Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on yet another hump day. Today being Wednesday, the 9th of March, 2022. Just one week until the start of the AFL season. Getting very, very excited. For those of you who love football, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't like football, you cannot understand what we're going on about. And for those of you who have no idea what football's all about, you're probably thinking, what is this person? I think I might turn off this podcast right now. Well, I uh, I, I digress and I do apologize, but I'm very excited because the AFL season starts in one week's time. So let's get back on track and let's get into today's episode. Today I want to talk about uh, mentoring, but and from the context of allowing the long path of others to become your shortcut. And this comes about, I, I ran a session last week actually for a group of people and helping them become I guess, used to or prepared for a mentoring relationship they're going to enter into. And these guys are all mentees. And so we took them through some training on some things to think about, some benefits of mentoring, what mentoring is and isn't, what some guiding principles are, and also what some key mentee skills are that's going to help them in their career and certainly take advantage of the people who they're going to be married up to in terms of their mentor to get the best out of the relationship. And as I was thinking about this over the weekend, I was starting to reflect on the fact that there's a lot of people, certainly in sales and sales leadership, that don't necessarily have access to mentors uh, and for some strange reason don't actively seek access to mentors as well. So I wanted to just talk about this as a topic today and you might be sitting there thinking, well, I've got mentors, always have mentors, and that's great. You're also a person who listens to a podcast because I can tell you for, for a fact that there are thousands, if not millions of people that don't listen to podcasts and there'll be a percentage of the population around the world who have never heard of a podcast. So for us to think about, well, everybody must have a mentor. It's just a natural thing. It's actually flawed thinking because you may be surprised to know that there's only a small percentage of people out there in sales leadership roles and in sales roles who actively have a mentor. So as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I love coaching, you know that I love mentoring, you know that I love all things leadership and leadership development. And therefore, a core leadership belief I have, and even further than that, a core belief I have is that as leaders, we have an obligation to coach, to mentor our team and mentor people who we can help create better environments so that that can be passed on to others and therefore the environment start to springboard, i.e. the butterfly effect. And yet I'm still staggered at the number of leaders out there who do not have a mentor and are not seeking a mentor. It's just It just goes against my entire frame of reference. So before we get, jump into the content today, I just want to have both hands in the air to say, hey, I'm a, I'm a proponent of mentoring. I'm a big beneficiary of mentoring and still am today. And I think uh, the more we can get the, the word of mentoring and coaching out there, even though there's slight differences, depending on which school of thought you come from, uh, to have somebody who you can work with to help hone your own skills, but also enable you to tread a path that ultimately becomes a shortcut to other people's longer path is a great thing that can only help us in our careers, but can certainly help the people that we are responsible for and will continue to be responsible for into the future. So I just wanted to share some thoughts over some of the key content chunks and 
I guess, concepts we were covering with this team last week around getting them ready for mentoring and just give you something to think about, whether it's for yourself in terms of looking for a mentor in the capacity of what you're doing as a leader, or in fact, that there's somebody within your team or within your sphere of influence who you believe could benefit from mentoring, then these are some things to think about. And these can also be conversation starters to start a conversation with people to increase their understanding and maybe their awareness of what mentoring can do for them. So one of the key things we talked about uh, with this group was, okay, what at a high level, what are some of the, I guess, key benefits of being mentored? Well, first and foremost, the, one of the most obvious ones is you can benefit from somebody else's either experience, their work experience, or in some cases, their more expansive vision or their view. And this is the key. A lot of people get married up with mentors who are very much like them. I'm suggesting that in a lot of cases, the most beneficial form of mentoring is to allocate a mentor to you or, or get allocated a mentor who is different, who has a different view of the world, who sees things differently, doesn't necessarily have different values because there needs to be a bit of a values match so that you can actually work together, but who can bring, I guess, some differences in opinion, differences in viewpoint that can start to expand your existing view of the world and certainly help you move outside of your comfort zone. Some other benefits could include, uh, depending on the sort of context you get allocated a mentor, but getting better insights or gaining deeper insights into things like organizational culture. What are the appropriate behaviors in certain situations? What sort of attitudes and protocols are needed in different situations? So you can, you can have somebody who you can soundboard with. So the benefits really are endless, but one of the biggest benefits I see in mentoring is it gives the person who is being mentored the opportunity to grow in confidence, but also in competence, increasing their personal influence, but also increasing their ability. And if you look at mentoring today to compare it where, where it was, say, 25, 30 years ago, mentoring today is much more a modern type of adult-to-adult relationship where back in the old days, if you were given a mentor, typically it, was be, it would be a manager. And typically, it would be specifically to help you rise within the organization. So it almost became a little bit more of an adult-child type of relationship. And it wasn't based on mutual accountability. So one of the key things around mentoring today, it's, it's completely different, first of all, than what it was 25 years ago. But it's about mutual accountability. We've also got to understand that it's voluntary. And it's a two-way flow. And, there, and the key things we need to think about is such as there has to be dual responsibility. There has to be benefits of both to both parties. So it's not just about what the mentor can teach the mentee. There are things that the mentee can certainly teach the mentor in this particular relationship. And this is one of the key points we talked about last week with this group because many of them are relatively young, are relatively inexperienced, and they've got this attitude, well, I don't know anything near what my mentor is going to know, so what am I going to be able to teach them? And I said, well, you would actually be surprised. Just think about some concepts such as you know, social media or technology, you probably find that technology is a lot easier to adapt to than perhaps some of your mentors who are going to be 25, 30 years older than you in some cases. Now, that's not always the case, but in some cases that is the case. So you've got to think about what is the benefit to both. You've also got to enjoy it. There has to be mutual respect. There has to be caring for each other and there has to be dual accountability. So if you've got all those in place, you've got a really strong foundation for having a really constructive mentoring relationship that can benefit both parties. And think about this, the flow and effect of that is particularly if you've got a mentor and a mentee who are from different organizations, the flow and effect of both of those organizations just by having that relationship and really investing into that relationship can pay dividends like exponentially. It is just incredible. 
So if you're new to a mentoring relationship or you're thinking about taking on a mentor, or in fact, you're looking for a mentor for somebody within your sphere of influence, here are some skills to think about that we need to have as mentees to maximize, I guess, the output, maximize the relationship, and certainly maximize the benefits of what mentoring can bring to the table. And I want to just touch on at a high level the seven critical skills that I talked through with this team last week that certainly help them get prepared, and hopefully it'll help you as well. Uh, these are not rocket science, but it's interesting that often the things that are simplest to do are also easy not to do. So we always talk about on this particular podcast, do simple better. And if you can do the fundamentals well and master the fundamentals, you're in a really, really good position to take advantage of all that mentoring can bring to the table. So let's talk about some of the key critical skills that a mentee needs to possess. Now, this is in no particular order, but number one, the mentee must learn how to ask productive questions. Now, this is a big one. Now, one of the things I found with this group is they didn't know what they didn't know. So one of the things they're asking was, what sort of questions do I ask? And we did some brainstorming around, what are some questions we can ask a mentor in order to extract the information out of their head? And one of the stories I shared was that uh, as a mentor, it's very easy for somebody to sit in front of you, and particularly if there's an age gap or an experience gap, and there might be a perception of this person in front of me is so experienced, I'm kind of not worthy. Now, I'll talk about the awe factor in here as well, but often I'll say to people, hey, don't just come to me and ask me, hey, tell me everything I need to know about leadership or tell me everything I need to know to become a great sales leader or an exceptional sales leader. It's like, well, how long is a piece of string? If you ask me very specific questions, if you give me context to those questions, then that will enable me as a mentor to now share anecdotes, metaphors, stories, information, frameworks, techniques, strategies, and everything else that goes with that to be very specific on the question that you asked me. So one of the key things as a mentee is we've got to be prepared. And I drilled this into this team that it's it's up to you to ask the question. Don't just expect the mentor to give you all of the information and everything they know about that particular topic because nothing is going to translate. It doesn't have context and it probably won't have meaning. And more importantly, you're not going to do anything with it. So be prepared, which means you've got to ask great productive questions. And one of the key productive questions is you've got to have a level of curiosity to want to know information and framing those questions in such a way that draws out that information is really important. And I've, I've talked a lot about the concept of closed questions versus open questions. In a mentoring relationship, we've got to ask lots of open questions because that invites the person to share a lot more information than if we just asked a closed-based question. So number one, ask productive questions. Number two, if you're asking great productive questions, it means that it stands to reason you've also got to have a deep level of active listening in place and listening on the three planes, the physical, the mental, and the emotional plane. And this is this is a, a key skill set I've got to say that most people need to work on. They don't have this capability and it's something that uh, I've had to work on really, really diligently over my career and I'm still working on it today because there are still times when I find myself in a conversation and I'm drifting off with the fairies and all of a sudden I just recognize that, hey, I haven't listened and I haven't heard what this person has been telling me and talking about for the last two or three minutes and sometimes five minutes and it's actually quite disrespectful. So having a deep level of listening and really being intent and really being present on the person that's in front of you is a key skill that we need to possess, not just as a mentee, Let's just go go and say this. We need to have this as a human being if we're going to have great connected relationships. The third one is we've got to build trust. And trust is the glue of which and based on which everything 
is built. And there are two trains of thought here. Sometimes people say, well, you know what, I'll trust you when you prove to me that you can be trusted. And others will say, I'll trust you from day one until you give me reason not to trust you. So irrespective of where what uh, camp you come from, one of the key things we have to establish in a mentoring relationship is a deep level of trust. Because when you think about a really powerful mentoring relationship, there might be a lot of topics that we actually start to explore that might uh, be quite sensitive, it might be confidential, and we need to make sure that both parties are treating the confidential information like a vault and nothing actually goes outside of that relationship because if it does, then it starts to uh, question whether this person can be trusted, which means I won't necessarily be be as forthcoming or as authentic uh, as I possibly could be, although I wanted to be, and therefore the benefits of both parties is we're not going to get the outcomes that we're looking for from this mentoring relationship. So it's really, really important to build a deep level of trust. As we know as leaders in any leadership capacity, in any relationship capacity, we've just got to keep building that trust and maintain that trust. And certainly as a leader, I've got to continue to earn the trust of my team. Number four is, and this is this one's an interesting one, it's, it's called overcoming the awe factor. And it's, I'm not suggesting you're necessarily going to be mentored by somebody who is world famous um, or a rock star or some famous business person, but you may actually be mentored by somebody who does have a, a high profile, who somebody is held in high esteem, who you don't actually get access to or haven't got access to, but all of a sudden you've been introduced to them as a potential mentor. And often people's reputations will precede them. And depending on that reputation, sometimes people can feel in a little bit of awe of that particular individual. Now, what what happens with this, and there's been some research to back this up, is often people who are working with a mentor who is held in high esteem, it can actually lead the mentee to be more reluctant to truly engage in the relationship where they don't set the true development objectives or the tough significant development options that they want to develop in terms of their their stretch goals uh, or significant agenda items. And they may not test the mentor as hard because they're afraid of making mistakes in front of them. They might have uh, difficulty seeing their mentor as a partner. Uh, They might see them as somebody who's like a guru. And and that's certainly what we don't want to, as if you're mentoring, you certainly do not want to be known as a guru because you can actually start to create an environment where people will start to potentially feel unworthy around you and therefore they're not going to push themselves or push you as hard as you perhaps would like to be pushed. So overcoming this all factor is a really big one. The next one is number five, thinking about, well, in some cases, you're not going to necessarily agree with everything that mentor says. Now, this is one thing, particularly if you're going to have somebody who has a different characteristic in terms of character type, uh, communication style, personal type, than you, but we have to start to look at strategies to resolve or manage differences. And this is where the seek to understand comes into it and think, okay, why am I why am I disagreeing with this person? Why are they saying that? And why am I seeing meaning in what they're saying that's perhaps different to what different to what the intention was? It's just thinking about, well, in any relationship, understanding this, there's gonna be differences. There's gonna be challenges and mentoring is absolutely no different. All that is, is potential conflict. So how do you manage conflict? Well, you seek to understand first and build some strategies to ask questions and listen intently to see whether there's some common ground. So one of the things, if you're going into a mentoring relationship and you're the mentee, don't think that everything is going to be rosy. Uh, you probably find that the mentor wants you to challenge them and wants you to have an opinion and have a voice, which logically is going to lead to some level of 
differences. But if you build this on on a bedrock of trust and understand that it's done with a great intention, a positive intention that is to help you develop, then you will manage and resolve those differences when they come up. Number six, uh, the key mental skill around number six is how do you capture the gifts of learning? And this is one of the things I spent a lot of time talking to the group on last week on was this one. And that is at the end of each session, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit down with your mentor and think, well, that was a great session. I'll just can't wait for the next one and go back to your normal state of doing business. Or what are you actually going to think about at the end of each session? Now, as a leader, I often talk about this on the podcast that as a leader, we need to have a reflection time every single week. What worked well? What didn't work well? What are the key themes? What did I learn? Etc. Mentoring is no different. So at the end of each session, why don't you sit down and think about, okay, what did I learn today? What was the key lesson here? What was good about this conversation? Where were some of the gaps? What can I then apply right now in terms of the lesson that I've learned? And then start asking questions about that and do some research and do some reflection as you implement those so you've got some content that you can now share with your mentor the next time you get together with them. So it's about really being granular on what the key lessons are and the key gifts are of that session that you're spending with your mentor, which then leads to point number seven, which is all about internalizing the learning. So what are you going to do with it? How do you internalize it? Is it just something you're going to learn and have as a bit of knowledge? Or how do you actually turn this into tangible habits, methods of doing things so you build a higher level of competency? Now, one of the key things I always talk about with people in, in workshops is you can learn a lot of good stuff and knowledge is not power. It's only when you use the knowledge that it becomes powerful because if you don't start to use things, you'll start to lose things. And mentoring is no different. So how do you first of all capture the gifts of learning, which is point number six, but then how do you internalize it? How do we create habits around that so we can start getting a different result and hopefully build some consistency with those results? So there are seven key critical mentee skills that I share with the group. I hope that makes sense and I hope that resonates with you. Just before we finish off, uh, some guiding principles to think about and some relationship guidelines to think about just at a really high level. And this is uh, something we, we talked about as well. And Remember this, in most cases, a mentoring relationship is a voluntary relationship and both parties, in order for that relationship to be effective and in order for you to get the outcomes you're hopefully looking for, both parties need to be actively involved and there needs to be constant feedback to see are we on track, what's working and what's not working. So establishing some guiding principles for yourself and your mentor is also really, really important. Now, I'm not going to give you all of the guiding principles that are available to you, but just start thinking about what some guiding principles could be for a mentoring relationship for you that's going to be important for you. And that can be used as a frame of reference to now start thinking about, well, who is the mentor that I could possibly align myself with who would agree with and align with these guiding principles? And it's things like being honest, being open, having a level of candor, giving feedback constantly? Is there an influence that can happen both ways? Is there a mutual level of respect and trust? Do we have patience? Is there, a, is there a, a, an appetite to learn? Is there a level of curiosity? And most importantly, is there a level of confidentiality? So if you're looking for a mentor, if you're thinking about people within your team who need a mentor, then start thinking about who within your sphere of influence could you approach to potentially be your mentor or be a mentor to the people within your team or your sphere of influence and think about some of the key skills that that mentee is needing to have in order for that relationship to be a productive relationship. Because at the end of the day, having a mentor will enable their long path 
often to be your shortcut. So I trust that message resonates and I trust that message helps. And of course, if you'd like to have a conversation about this, love to engage you in a conversation. Simply go to my calendar at leadwithdarren.com, pick a time, we'll jump on Zoom, have a conversation and uh, yeah, see where it goes. So thank you once again for plugging in to this episode of the podcast. And as always, look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.